You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. The Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by ExtremeTerrain.com, your off-road outfitter for YJ to JL Wrangler parts and accessories. Stay tuned to learn how you can earn $5,000 for your Wrangler from Raxium and Extreme Terrain. We love taking our Jeeps off-road for a little action, and now you can get some Jeep action at home with the Jeep Action magazine. Check out their website at jeepaction.com and keep listening to the Jeep Talk Show to find out how you can win a year's worth of Jeep Action magazines. That's jeepaction.com. Hey, it doesn't matter if you uh, have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps. This show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hi, I'm Tony, and I have a check engine light. Oh, that's no good. Hey, I'm. if you're new to the show, my name is Josh, and I'm a Jeep addict. And I'm Tammy, and I'm a YouTube sensation. <laughs> okay, so maybe not as big a sensation as our guest tonight. Hey, Josh, what's coming up on this episode? Well, speaking of our guest tonight, it's Brad with the one and only Trail Recon. He joins us to talk about uh, his YouTube channel and other things as well. Uh, this week in Jeep, we've got some new details on the Grand Wagoneer, and a local search and rescue operation needs a little bit of help from you, our fellow listeners. Uh, Wrangler talk, uh, we've got, well, it's Jeep quiz time, and uh, something tells me that Tony and I are in for, well, some bad scores. <laughs> and we got a whole bunch more fun coming up, so stick around. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. This Week in Jeep is, of course, brought to you by Amazon.com. Didn't get the candy hearts you wanted? Tired of Cupid and his damn bow and arrow? Wipe the smile off that damn cherub's face with a trip to Amazon. From heart-shaped candies to that say a little too much to those things that you don't want the pastor to know about, Amazon has what you didn't get for Valentine's Day, and you can pick it all up while helping us out, too. Just click the big Amazon logo on our website, and the rest happens as you check out. The best part? No, it's not the plain brown wrappers that come with it it's that it, you won't pay a dime extra for whatever that thing is so get your candy heart fix or let your freaky dicky side out either way we thank you in advance well the jeep grand cherokee is great it's fancy it's luxurious it's capable but it is it really park it outside my summer house mansion on the private island great well perhaps not which is probably why jeep decided to bring back its ultimate suburban status symbol the grand wagoneer Back in 2016, we, re we reported that Jeep boss and current Fiat Chrysler CEO Mike Manley had confirmed at that year's Detroit Auto Show that the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer would stage a comeback. And here's what we know and what we've heard about so far, about the pair, at least thus far. One thing is that stands out above even the price tag is that these designs have been delayed significantly. Apparently, the Wagoneer revival has been on the docket since 2014, but it was delayed back in 2016 as a result of FCA's need to revamp a number of plants to build more of Jeep's less expensive SUVs along with in-demand Ram pickups. While FCA hasn't talked much about the luxury truck since, aside from its Capital Markets Day presentation last summer that indicates the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer will arrive by 2022 at the latest. So as far as that goes, it's all but official. 
Automotive News has reported that the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer will arrive in 2020, while the Mopar fanatics at Allpar seem to indicate that they'll arrive uh, this year for the 2020 model year. The bottom line here? Well, we got to wait and see because nobody really knows the answer. With resounding positive feedback FCA has received since the announcement of the details surrounding the first-ever hybrid Wrangler, FCA is all-in for a possible plug-in hybrid of both the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. In its Capital Markets presentation, Jeep said that it intends to offer a plug-in hybrid variant for every vehicle that it will sell. Now, that would obviously include the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer once they become officially part of the lineup. Now, as of today, the only plug-in hybrid FCA offers is the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid, which makes roughly 260 horsepower from an Atkinson Cycle V6 and two electric motors. It's unclear if the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer would get a similar setup or something completely different. One of the peppercorns mulling around the rumor mill is that either Wagoneer could have a trim package boasting a 717-horsepower supercharged V8. In 2018, a document was leaked from transmission supplier ZF that indicated a Grand Wagoneer Trackhawk with a supercharged Hellcat V8 was on its way. At one point, ZF was working on a high-torque version of its venerable automatic for the Grand Wagoneer. This transmission, codenamed ZF-8HP95X, is only used in the Hellcat-powered Grand Cherokee Trackhawk and the Rolls-Royce Cullinan. Of course, this document could indicate simply that at one point a Grand Wagoneer Hellcat, Hellcat was being tested with no intention of production. Well, we can dream though, right? Now, if you remember a couple years back when the talks about the Wagoneer having a comeback first started, the inevitable turn in the conversation always went was... So how much is it going to cost me? Mike Manley said the Grand Wagoneer might cost up to $140,000. That's oh serious God. coin for a Jeep. <laughs> now, it signals the company's ambitions to compete with SUVs like the Range Rover, Mercedes-Benz G-Series, Cadillac Escalade, and Lincoln Navigator. The two Americans in that group can get around to about a $100,000 price tag, while an AMG GLS 63 costs about one hundred and thirty dollars and the Range Rover, well, that can exceed $200,000 if you get one fully loaded. So, at $140,000, well, Jeep is setting itself up to be its ultimate luxury vehicle to be seriously competitive, that is. Now, now until we start getting official specs leaked and spy photos released and all that good stuff, all we can do is dream and wait. And wait some more. <laughs> well, so, you've been talking about this for a while, too. Do yeah. you think it's going to have that um, wood panel look? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, God. All throughout, I'm sure. I mean, you go back to the early days of the Grand Wagoneer. It had wood on the outside, for F's sake. So, yeah, we're going to see the wood trim. We are gonna. We might even see carbon fiber. Um, we might see all kinds of options. This is going to be luxury, luxury trim. So, I, I'm in Corinthian leather. Who knows how far this is going to go? Um, it's going to be really impressive, that's to say the least. I mean, what we've seen so far, at least from... Uh, you know, things like concept vehicles and stuff. Luxury is definitely on the radar, uh, on Jeep's radar, that is. So are they going to do it right? Are they going to do it to where it can compete at a $100,000 price tag? Well, time will tell. And certainly we're going to be seeing some very impressive automobiles coming up in the next couple of years auto shows. So do you I, think it's going to be boxy or, you know, the, the well, rounded? Let's take, a, let's take a look a little bit about the platforms that they have that are going to be comparative to this. The Grand, uh, the Grand Cherokee and the Dodge Durango both have similar body lines as far as size and, and you know, rough volume and stuff like that. 
we can kind of extrapolate some of the Q uh, design characteristics that we've been seeing in the Grand Cherokee thus far. Now, is it going to be just a larger version of the Grand Cherokee? Is it going to be a retrimmed Dodge Durango? Uh, you know, really, I don't know. Is it going to be on either of those chassis? Likely. Jeep is notorious and, and has a long history of trying to utilize their factories to make the next generation of vehicles with just some minor retooling involved. Now, obviously, we've seen a little bit of a drift from that in recent years with some complete retooling of factories for specific lines, but we also have a completely brand new, completely redesigned from the ground up Wrangler that is being built as well. So, um, lots of things in the works here, lots of things going on, and it's all speculation at this point until FCA gives us some good news. So I have read from a, a very reputable uh, forum that the Grand Wagoneer is what got Marchion killed. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see if Mike Manley meets a similar fate if this actually comes to market. Oh, well, that's that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, interesting conspiracy theory. Uh, it will be interesting to see if anything comes of that. And conspiracytheory.com is where I read that. So that's, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's help them out, Jeepers. Ordinarily, you'd hear the words Palm Springs and you'd immediately start thinking of white sands and palm trees and multi-million dollar beach houses. In other words, wealth and money. But with budgets getting tighter and police agencies across the nation having record underfunding issues, you wouldn't think that an organization like the Palm Springs Mounted Police Search and Rescue would be sitting here with their hat on the sidewalk looking for handouts. But that's just exactly <laughs> what happened on Monday. The Palm Springs Mounted Police Search and Rescue launched a GoFundMe Monday in the hopes of raising $70,000 for a new four-door Jeep. The team says the current 20-plus-year-old vehicle is in serious disrepair and could possibly suffer a critical breakdown during a rescue operation. According to the page, the agency says they need this essential upgrade in order to continue to successfully conduct rescue operations and to allow for more space to carry additional personnel to rescues. While the estimated cost to replace this Jeep and equip it with the modified all-terrain gear that it needs to do this is roughly about a $70,000 price tag. Palm Springs Mounted Police is an auxiliary unit of the Palm Springs Police Department. It is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization, meaning all equipment is self-funded or donation-based, and all rescue crew members serve as volunteers who do not collect a paycheck. The team conducts search and rescues for injured or lost hikers, lost children, and the elderly. The team carries out anywhere between 30 and 60 rescues per year, including rescues on neighboring tribal lands. If you'd like to help out the Palm Springs Mounted Police Search and Rescue, continue serving the area while saving people, well, I'm sure they would appreciate a donation of any size. We'll, of course, have the link to their GoFundMe page in the notes for this episode at JeepTalkShow.com. And, of course, it goes without saying lost hikers or those wanting to report a lost or injured person are advised to call 911. So, Tammy, I'm figuring a, a new uh, Wrangler is around 40K. Uh, even a Rubicon, probably around 42. So what could you do with $30,000 worth of uh, money for upgrades? You think you think you could do a little damage to that Jeep, make it a little off-road worthy? Yeah, I, well, mine is already off-road worthy, but yeah. No, I'm no. talking about a new Jeep. Like oh, these, a new like Jeep, these yeah. people are wanting to get a new Jeep and, oh, and modify totally. it, and they're trying to get $70,000. Now, I have no doubt but that see, some of that stuff is very expensive, but my God, can you imagine thirty grand to upgrade a Jeep? 
Yeah, well, let me, I, I mean, speaking from experience, I, I worked in, in mobile electronics for a number of years. We actually, in one of the retailers I worked for, we had a contract with the Portland Police Department, and we did a lot of their low-voltage wiring, hooking up communications and security systems for their vehicles, as well as other things. Uh, and the let me tell you, the amount of gear that goes into one of these vehicles, um, I mean, the amount of communications gear... The amount of emergency equipment, lighting, I mean, the entire kit and caboodle here can well exceed ten dollars or $15,000 uh, just in, in what it takes to outfit the vehicle for them to do their job. Now, we haven't talked about off-road equipment yet. We haven't right. talked about, you know, setting this thing up to where it can actually get out into the wilderness, get out onto the beach, et cetera, et cetera. So you you got to you know take into account there's a lot that goes into these vehicles just to make them what they are not including what it takes to get them where they need to go and so we can see how that you know 30 grand or or more possibly uh, can get eaten up very quickly after the just the cost of the vehicle now, why in the and world I, do you have to take the wind out of my sails? I'm I'm trying to get everybody <laughs> excited about buying thirty thousand dollars worth of add-ons. I mean, my God! And then you got to throw facts and logics into the conversation I and screw know. it up. Look at me, I'm just screwing it up with facts <laughs> and logic. Yeah. Well, hey, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we sure would like to hear what you have to say. Make sure to let us know what that is by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com/slash/contact and find out how. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, interview with Brad from Trail Recon. Hey, coming up at Tech Talk, we'll be wrapping up our multi-part series in vehicle electronics. This is going to be the 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 blinker, the red and blue link, blinking lights, and the don't cut the 30, red wire. Thirty thousand dollars worth of Motorola radios that you're going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you step by step instructions on how to how to install it. You're listening to a four x four radio network podcast. You most certainly are, you lucky jeeper, you. And you know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network. It's where we're at, and it's where a bunch of good stuff is. And, uh, well, we've got something for everybody there, regardless of what they drive. Even if it's not a Jeep, that's okay. We've got the On the Trail podcast there. The uh, the Trail Tracers podcast is there as well. Center Steer podcast is, is there. And we've even got Dan and the 4x4 podcast putting out some great content. A lot of great off-road shows. It's all for free, and it's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. And I want you guys to know that they, they're firing on all cylinders. We're getting just, you know, the the uh, trail chasers. Uh, it seems like every week. I don't know how often they're doing it, but there's a, there's always one on my list to listen to. Uh, you know, Dan's back. He's uh, he's back from Alaska. He's not happy about it, but he's putting out more shows, so we're, the rest of us are happy. And, of course, you could always uh, count on the Sinister folks uh, coming out with a monthly episode. So, uh, you, you know, if, if you've been missing some of your favorite shows, they're back, and they're back with a vengeance. Hi, uh, Jeep Talk Show. This is Evan from Wisconsin calling you guys again. I was listening to, uh, I don't know what episode number that was, where Tammy was talking about how her rust repair wasn't doing so well and she was getting the rust coming back. I had a suggestion that's not super cheap, but it works really good, especially when she's talking about how much she wants to continue to wheel it. I happen to know some guys around here that do something called uh, strip tipping. The chemical dip, drop the whole bumper in, it'll strip all the gold paint off, it'll strip all the rust down, and it kind of leaves a little bit of a chemical uh, on there, basically eats the rust off. But then what they also do is they uh, decode it, where they uh, negatively charge your parts, put it in a positively charged bath, in which part the paint in there will then cling to your uh, 
part as far as your bumper goes. And then what I would do on top of that after the heat coat it, I heat coat things like uh, vices and rims and stuff, and it seems to work pretty good. I mean, I could beat on my bike without it chipping or peeling off. But usually then what I do after that is I take my stuff down to Linex and have them Linex it, and the Linex coating will be hard enough that if you're smashing your Jeep into stuff and bouncing off rocks, the Linex will actually hold and adhere to your uh, bumper, even if you have a dent in it or uh, something like that. You can actually look that up on uh, uh, one of the four-wheel off-road ultimate adventure truck that they smashed into a tree one year. Um, I think it was their Toyota Tacoma. They hit a tree with it, and they crumpled in a fender, and the Linex actually stuck to the fender, even though it was all crumpled up. But that'd be your best option, I think, if you want to have a uh, good-looking bumper. Linex can do it in any color, so you can get it in purple if you want to. But uh, <laughs> I think that's your best option. Thanks, Evan from Wisconsin. I wonder if that chemical Bye. that chemical dip would uh, get rid of the uh, powder coating. Oh, well, he said it gets rid of everything. Yeah, it's going to take it down to bare metal. Yeah. I was just thinking. I that, think that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it sounds kind of expensive, but boy, it sounds like the yeah. right way to do it. Well, if you have friends that do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> friends that I don't know. need money. Hey, you can help out, help me out, can't you? I'm a jeeper. You know, one of the process he was talking about, you know, negatively charging uh, the vehicle right. or the bumper, the part or whatever, positively charging, you know, the paint. That, that's essentially what the powder coating process is. mirroring the powder coating process identically. Uh, as far as, you know, uh, positive and negative charges attracting to each other, one being the, the, the thing that you're painting and the other thing being the paint itself. And it just, it sort of it paints itself almost. And then, you, you know, you kind of bake it on there and, and, uh, and that cures it and makes it all strong and bonded and, and all that sort of stuff. Same thing applies to certain kinds of paint. Uh, but again, this is a very expensive process and uh, lots of chemical treating, lots of prep uh, that needs to go into it ahead of time. I mean, every last nook and cranny has to be completely free of debris and contaminant, contaminants. So um, it gets into a lot of uh, a lot of elbow grease, a lot of work to, to make something like this happen. And of course, unless you have a friend in the industry, it can uh, come with a nice big price tag as well. You know, Tammy, there's another thing that they do where they uh, suspend uh, the, the part, in, the, in this case your bumper, in a bath and uh, put a negative charge on the, the, the bumper itself. And that would be chroming it. So you could actually have your entire bumper chrome no. and have it just deep chrome so it would just no. be very very shiny no <laughs> no no and then put linux on it okay <laughs> oh, if it was if it was like a purple um a purple, shiny purple chrome. chrome maybe maybe <laughs> i i doubt it but oh man you could get into rap music uh with uh with a bumper like yeah, that. there you go Jeez. and do you have yeah, right. my jeep where it bounces up and down yes. just on the street yeah <laughs> Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Man, shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. I, I just heard somebody at the door. I'll be right back. You guys continue on. Are you serious? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm well, we out, can wait I'm for you, Tony. I'm getting out of the quiz. That's not happened before. <laughs> I know. You, don't, you just don't want to be on the quiz. So, well, I was like, you know, Tony's got all the security cameras and stuff at his house. You know, it's like, I well, this is entirely plausible. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He's trying to get out of the quiz. I see. Yeah. So I was. Um, my boss is on. I'm sorry. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> so my my bosses, um, I hope they're not listening. Um, I was kind of bored at work the other day, and I'm just like, you know, surfing the web, and I found this Jeep quiz. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take it. And I hate to admit this, but and my kids were like shocked at how bad I did. I got three out of ten. <gasps> and I know. So I thought I would give you guys this quiz, and we'll see if you can get it right. So the first question is, the name Jeep probably originated from, and I'm going to give you four answers, the Army Commander George Jeep, GP for general purpose, a modification of the word cheap, short for Jeepers Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Eugene Anyone? from the Popeye cartoon. No, it's Jeep. No, that wasn't no. one of the... Okay, there e- you go. Eugene the Jeep. No, uh, Josh was right. The exact origin actually is still being debated, but most people consider it to be slang of the Army designation GP. And 85% of the people who took the, this quiz got that correct. Okay, who said the Jeep is the only true American sports car? Enzo Ferrari, Henry Ford, Walt Disney, or Joe Isuzu? <laughs> I want to say Isuzu. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Joe Isuzu, but I'm going to go with Walt Disney. No, I think it was the for, the Ferrari guy, the Enzo. Yeah. Enzo Ferrari? Yeah. Yeah, actually, you're right. Josh, I said Walt Disney, too. Ferrari might have meant this as an insult to the Chevy Corvette, which <laughs> many considered the true American sports car. So 49% of the people got that right. Okay. Number three, which president owned and drove a CJ8 oh, scrambler you know on his one. ranch? Oh, you know yeah. this on, one. Everybody, everybody knows this one. I didn't. Oh, that's Ronald. That's, that's, that's the Gipper. Yeah. Ronald Reagan. Ronald yeah, Reagan. Okay. Yep. Great pictures. A, yeah. A blue CJ8 near his ranch in Santa Barbara. 50% of the people got that right. Um, the following, and I can't believe I got this wrong. I think I was reading too quickly when I read this. Yeah, yeah. The following company or companies <laughs> made vehicles with the name Jeep. American Motors, Chrysler, Willys Overland, or all of these. I don't um, think Willys. I don't, did Willys, uh, was it actually, I, I would say all of them is probably the, the right answer. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was, did Willys hit, was it Jeep with Willys? I guess it yeah, was gonna, because of World War II. It, it was on, yeah, it was on the tailgate, I think, but. Or was it Willie? Yeah. Oh. All right, yeah. I'm going to go with all of them. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and they said, because they had little blurbs once you did your answer, Willie's Overland made Jeeps from 46 to 70 when they sold the Jeep Corporation to American Motors, who in turn sold it to Chrysler in 87. Yep. 82% of the people got that right. Okay, who was the pioneer developer of the freewheeling front hub? Harold Kaiser, James Spicer, William Willies, or Arthur Warren? Oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, I'm going to go with Spicer. I think Kaiser. Love the rolls. Matt, you're both wrong. It was Warren, Arthur Warren. The Warren Company now makes hubs, winches, and other cheap accessories. 31% of the people got that right. I I picked Spicer myself, too. but Spicer makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if these are truly right answers. So if you're listening and you think it's wrong, let us know. But this is what was found on the internet, so it must be true, right? If if you're listening, how (laughs) dare you? Well, no, I didn't mean it that way. I guess. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If if you're not listening, then never mind. Ignore what I said. (laughs) I know. God, that was kind of stupid. That was a blonde moment there. Okay, number six. Which Jeep model is often referred to as a flat fender? 
CJ8, CJ6, CJ5, CJ2A. Oh, I have no oh, idea. That's CJ2A. Uh, you're right. The earliest Jeeps had fenders that were not rounded but flat, hence the name flat fenders. Um, okay, this one is really hard. I had a hard time with this one. One of the Wrangler models is named after what famous trail? <laughs> Overland, Rubicon, Missouri, or Moab? Moab. Yeah. Oh, no, Rubicon. <laughs> Rubicon. <laughs> so, 69. I mean, yeah, yes, there there is a Moab trim level. Yeah. Right. But that's not, that's not that's, a model. I mean, yeah. No, I'm just messing. I mean, that's an I'm, easy one. So, <laughs> But only 69% of the people taking the quiz. Uh, you always have to work that in. Yeah. So what, and I got this wrong, and I'm going to get in trouble from somebody when they hear I got this wrong. What Jeep models had square headlights? YJ, Jeepster, CJ, TJ. Well, the CJ definitely did not. No, um, YJ, yes. The, the, the old Jeepsters, I'm pretty sure also had round headlights. Uh, the YJ is the only one in there that I know that, that, that had, came with square, square headlights. From YJ, XJ. Yep, you're right, the YJ. Um, after a popular outcry, Jeep returned to the round headlights on the TJ. Bumper stickers said, real Jeeps have round headlights. It's not. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's, it, I've always heard square. Um, well, that's what this little quiz said. <laughs> we all hear what we want to hear, yeah. I guess. <laughs> right. I think the does YJs it, look pretty cool like that. They really stick does out. It, doesn't Nate? Nate drives a YJ, right? He used to have a YJ. Yeah. Um, 45% of the people got that right. Okay, number nine. Another tough one. Only 26,000 of these long wheelbase CJs were ever made. The CJ7, the CJ8 Scrambler, the CJ9, or the CJ4? Oh, I bet you it's the Scrambler. Yeah, the CJ8 Scrambler was the only long wheelbase uh, Jeep out of, that, out of that list. Correct. And this will tell you how old this quiz is. The little blurb they have is... These are increasing in popularity, and Jeep is planning to begin to produce them again in 2005. Oh, hey, old one. <laughs> and, and Jeep is, is planning on taking over the world. Right. <laughs> okay, so the last and final question. Coil springs were a new feature on the DJ, YJ, TJ, or CJ. Did you say DJ as in like uh, spin doctor? That's, that's what one of the answers was. Oh, I've never heard of that one. I think uh, it, they the, just like made that up. TJ. Uh, the, the TJ, yeah. yeah. Yeah, correct. Coil springs allow for greater travel and improve articulation. 49% or 41% of the people got that right. I would, you guys did really good. I sucked at this quiz. Well, I'm keeping Big score time. over here. I think I got like a, what, eight, eight out of 10, 80%. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. That's you, yeah. better than how I usually did in school. <laughs> yeah, you would, uh, you would not do well in the curve, Tammy, because. No, I, I'm, really really bad yeah, well, Tammy, but you've been doing this for, for like five years I, i've been messing around with jeeps for 20 yeah uh, josh perhaps longer i don't know uh but the, the one that you you said that like only 30 percent of people got right or something like that i mean that that's clearly a, a tough question if yeah. you know out of you know every hundred people that take this only, right. only 30 of them get the get the thing right get that one right so that was that, the, that was the one, one on the on the on the that, hubs yeah. or whatever yeah yeah right yeah that was that's a tough yeah, one that I, was a tr I, that's a tricky one because you know when you're taking a multiple guest test that's what you go for is stuff that you heard and when you hear spicer oh, i've heard of that more right. i've heard of that Kaiser, yeah. yeah, I remember hearing something about Kaiser on right. the original Jeeps. Damn it, <laughs> I, have no, be, I have no way to do. I don't know which one to go with now. 
And actually on the, the flat fender thing, I mean, CJ8, CJ6, CJ5, CJ2A, I'm like, are all those even really Jeeps? Or are they making some of those numbers up? I have no idea about oh, this. I, I, I didn't follow any any of the CJ stuff, so I know very little about uh, anything that's uh, older than, you know, I guess a YJ. So, well, so, that Tam- was Tamion. my... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, that's my Wrangler talk for the night, a little Jeep quiz for you. Well, I'm... I'm glad you brought that up because this whole little quiz and everything kind of gives us a chance to highlight um, some of the things that that we know and we don't know. Um, and, th- and when I say we, I mean anybody who's listening to this. Um, and that is the main reason that gave us the motivation behind putting together probably one of the largest dictionaries of terms or, or um, uh, indexes, if you will, uh, of, of frequently used term and terminology in the off-road world, specifically dealing with with Jeeps. And uh, I think we've got somewhere around nine or ten pages of Holy terminology um, that, we're, that we're just right on the very precipice of publishing to the web. Once this goes live, this will be, to my knowledge, and I've done a fair amount of research on this, uh, the quintessential, the largest, most comprehensive list of off-road terminology on the entire web in one place. <laughs> so uh, everybody else that I've been able to find who's doing anything remotely close to this has a handful of terminology, maybe one page full. We're going to have over 10. So uh, if you are a little lost as far as, you know, what freewheeling hub means um, or, you know, any of that terminology that Tammy, Tammy was talking about in that quiz that we just took uh, and you're a little bit lost, well, we're going to be very soon publishing a, an entire glossary of terminology that you can refer to as you listen to the show um, or ever, you know, refer to in the forums or, or you know, online or Facebook, whatever. Um, when you're talking about Jeep, now you can talk a little bit more like a pro. Yeah, it helps I can't to, wait to see that. Helps to give uh, the uh, helps to give people out there a, a, a better sense of what we're talking about. We roll some of these terms off uh, with not even thinking uh, twice about it. Uh, that's how we can get away with Henway jokes uh, with Tammy. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned that, Tony. I mean, you've you know you've been a Jeep enthusiast for you know twenty some odd years. I mean, I've been a gearhead my entire life. Been a Jeep enthusiast for most of it. Uh, Tammy's kind of new to the scene, five or six years or so. You know, and so we all have a little bit different level and and understanding and grasp of all this terminology. Uh, and and we obviously understand that there's people out there who maybe know a little bit more, and obviously those who know you know a little bit less. And so we're trying to you know bring it all together. And, and help out the Jeep community and the off-road world as a whole by producing this this glossary of terms. Well, coming up later in the show, we're going to share with you some must-have stuff for your Jeep. Got to have it. Got to have it. Now you can get a pair of your very own Jeep Talk Show stickers. Just send a self-addressed stamped envelope to us, and we'll stuff it and send it right back to you. What's the address? Simple. Head over to the jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a voicemail, text, or email, and we'll share it with you. Already got your stickers? Well, let's see some pictures of it on your rig. Yeah, we got one uh, recently. I, th- I saw somebody post one up of uh, one they had <laughs> placed on the back of another vehicle, I'm assuming. <laughs> we you know we kind of talk, uh, kind of tease a little bit about uh, now you have the ability of leaving a card or a sticker on that Prius that you see in the mall parking lot. <laughs> and, well, that's exactly what it was, was a Prius with a Jeep Talk Show, Jeep, Jeep talk show sticker on the back of it. And uh, whether that was their own rig or not, uh, well, who knows? But uh, thank you for sending that in, that picture in nonetheless. Now, remember, we're just joking. 
Uh, but when we, we say do that to a police car that has a sleeping police officer in it. <laughs> Don't listen to them, people. Don't listen. <laughs> Tammy's the angel on the shoulder. Uh-huh. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Now, in last week's Tech Talk, we started going over some tips and trips tips and tricks for making the best crimped connections. And we went over some of the tools that you'd want to have that starts, well, that makes working on troubleshooting or working on or troubleshooting vehicle electronics as easy as the pros make it look. Now, we started to get into wiring specifics a little bit as well, and that's when I redirected things back towards tools. Well, this week, I want to talk a little bit about actually working with wires, the fundamentals when dealing with voltages and loads and lengths of the run. Don't worry, I'm not going to go too deep into things that will be above most people's heads like actual Ohm's Law formulas and other math type stuff that would make this pretty dry and boring. But we are going to get into some numbers, and it's important to have a basic understanding of how things work and how to do things the right way without catching your Jeep on fire. And that's pretty much been the premise of this whole multi-part series. Tonight's episode, this uh, week's uh, segment is going to be a little bit long uh, because it would be too short if I broke it up into a couple segments, but bear with me, you're going to learn a lot. I'll forewarn some of you listening, though, a portion of this is only going to apply to those who are doing some form of rewiring or installation. For instance, like completely rewiring a CJ tub from scratch, or for those who are doing things like installing auxiliary lights on the roof rack, or backup lights on the bumper, or an amplifier in your best friend's rig, stuff like that. No matter what you're installing, unless it came with every last inch of wire and connector that you're going to need, chances are you're going to have to figure out what you're going to need along the way. When choosing wire size, otherwise known as the gauge of wire, think about both the number of amps the circuit will draw and its overall length. Here's a good rule of thumb to remember. The longer the run, the larger the gauge needed. There are gauge charts available online to guide you through this, and I would highly recommend you reference them before beginning any installation. A quick rule of thumb when it comes to wires, remember, the lower the number, the bigger the wire. Generally speaking, in a 12-volt automotive application, anything under 10 amps can be wired with 18 gauge, up to 20 amps with 14 gauge, up to 30 amps with 12, with 12 gauge, 40 amps with 10 gauge, and up to 60 amps with 8 gauge wire. But again, this will vary depending on length and whether the load is continuous or more momentary. Momentary draws like that of a turn signal wire, they don't really have enough juice flowing through them over enough period of time to get the wires hot unlike the wires of, say, an LED light bar, who may have juice flowing through them for hours on end and draw a pretty good amp draw. They would obviously need a larger wire to handle that draw, and so you don't want to use something small. Late model vehicles can make wiring accessories a real challenge. Tapping into the factory wiring can cause all kinds of warranty issues, and CAN bus systems can add a whole nother level of complication with multiplex circuits having multiple functions across a single pair of wires. Not to mention poking around testing for voltages or specific circuits on a vehicle with airbags and doing so with a regular old test light, well, you could find yourself suddenly on your butt wondering how those airbags just went off. Here's another rule of thumb. Remember, if the wiring is sheathed in a yellow loom, do not touch it. Don't probe it, tap it, or cut it. You could inadvertently set off the airbag system, and trust me, you don't want to do that. I shouldn't have to tell you that this is an extremely expensive error to correct, so be warned. Unless you are installing or replacing a factory component with an aftermarket one like adding fog lights to a Jeep that already has the circuit from the factory for them, or replacing the stock stereo with an aftermarket one, investing in a standalone auxiliary fuse block is a pretty good idea. We've all seen those fuse blocks that look like a Frankenstein experiment gone wrong. 
Wires poking out of everywhere and circuits that could have been tapped more times than they probably should have. There are solid-state versions that enable you to keep everything under the hood, but which have a little neat little digital display switch panel that gets mounted on the dash. There are also more analog auxiliary fuse panels with uh, that are available from several companies like Painless Wiring and, and others. These will come with slots for fuses, and some will even come with relays to power more high-amperage circuits or to handle switching. Of course, the more circuits and features you add, the bigger the unit and the bigger the price. So, lastly, finding uh, space in the engine bay and in your budget can become a concern rather quickly, if you're into bells and whistles, that is. Now, having a bunch of inline fuses or individual fuse holders can get cumbersome and disorganized, and not to mention it looks like a complete mess up by the battery. If you have multiple high-powered circuits that need to be fused individually, well, consider combining them into one power distribution center. I've seen people even use a factory PDC from another Jeep and mount it directly to the one in, next to the one in the engine compartment. If done properly, this can look really cool and keep the install of all your aftermarket accessories super clean and reliable. If you have the bravery to tackle something like wiring up a Jeep from scratch, well, then following this advice will make it easier on you when it comes time to add more stuff in later on. If you like ultra-simplicity, think isolated bus bars. These are bars of conductive metal that have an isolation strip on their backside, making them able to carry current even when screw-mounted to a metal surface. The bars typically will have threaded holes or studs on their face, allowing for multiple circuits to be added at will. And you can have all three of these next. You can have three of these all next to each other: one for ignition control or switch circuits, one for constant voltage, and one for ground if it's needed. But these are aren't as pretty looking as nicely installed fuse blocks or auxiliary fuse blocks. Well, I mean, if you have a complete aftermarket chassis harness like those offered from Painless, and it came with power window and door lock circuits that your old Jeep CJ didn't need. Well, you can repurpose those unused circuits to power other things. Just make sure that you update the labeling on your fuse block. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of eye rolls for this one, but before you start any majoring, major wiring project, gather up the manuals for all the components you will be using and read them several times over before you even make your first connection. Well, let me paint a picture. Say, for instance, you were doing an LS swap in an old Wrangler. In this case, you'd likely have a GM crate engine with a standalone harness, an aftermarket universal chassis harness, and an aftermarket gauge package, as well as, well, just for grins and giggles, let's say a dual battery management system to power the aftermarket stereo system, too. Many of these individual components will need to be interconnected to some degree, and having a thorough understanding of what everything needs before you start can save a lot of confusion and hassle later on. So, once again, an important rule of thumb, remember to always RTFM. Read the FN manual. Now, if you are brave enough to tackle something like a full chassis rewire, then you will inevitably have to reuse some original switches that came uh, or re that require original connectors. Uh, some of the better aftermarket harnesses will include new original connectors for commonly used components, but some cheaper ones will tell you to reuse the older connectors or worse, to substitute individual spade connectors. Now, I have grudgingly used connectors on various installs over the years, uh, but only when they were in good shape. But doing so partially defeats the purpose of a rewire. So if you're going to be re reusing some factory switches, take the time to track down the proper connectors if they aren't supplied in your harness. Passing all the necessary wiring through the firewall is a pain in the butt, even when you're starting from scratch. It can be hard to figure out just how big of a hole you need to fish everything through, and, well, fishing everything through it without ending up with a tangled mess or a bunch of cut wires is an even bigger challenge. Use a factory hole whenever possible, and the fewer the penetrations, the better. Always use a grommet to protect the wiring from sharp edges, and always wrap everything in wire loom. 
I like to run all the wires unwrapped and leave some extra slack until I'm sure I've run all the wiring I need through the hole. Then I pull the extra slack, wrap them all loom, and push the wrapped harness back through the grommet. Yes, this is kind of like doing everything twice, but at least this way you avoid having to pull everything back out, wrap them all in a loom, and then push it all back through the grommet. Yes, you know, it's it's a good idea to mount um, when you're dealing with computers and, and auxiliary units like this. Uh, you want to mount uh, these kind of modules in a, in a horizontal position. It's not a good idea to mount them in a horizontal position. The thought process is that even when the computer unit is um, using sealed connectors, water that reaches the connectors can just sit there and eventually work its way inside and, and cause corrosion. If you're mounting a, a computer vertically, well, gravity will prevent water from pooling around the connector sealing surfaces and it will reduce the chances of contamination. Speaking of watertight connectors, if you have any sort of connection made that isn't watertight, consider using dielectric grease in those connectors to keep unwanted moisture and debris from ruining your day. Following these tips, paying close attention to what you're doing, having the right tools and installation supplies, and having a buddy to help out when needed will make any wiring project go a whole lot smoother and will result in a better looking install to boot. So a friend of mine pointed something out to me when I had uh, 37 uh, eyelets uh, connected to my positive battery, positive uh, terminal on my battery. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. He said, uh, look, uh, open this little thing up on your PDC. You see that little cover? You see where the cables go into the battery and it powers the PDC? Look how long that bolt is. <laughs> and it has a cover. <laughs> so now I've got... 67 connections on my PDC uh, bolt there. So, But it does make a, a much uh, cleaner installation, and you don't have to worry about uh, uh, breaking something as you're uh, disconnecting the battery for one reason or another. Now, of course, uh, going back a couple episodes, um, if you want to use those mil-spec battery connectors and, and you're like oh, Tony yeah. and you got a bunch of uh, ring terminals up there, well, that will help make things uh, at least a little more reliable, if not a little cleaner. Well, anything to add? We'd sure like to hear what you have to say, or maybe you have a question uh, for Tech Talk. Well, we'd sure like to hear what you what you got, and who knows, might even be able to have your question answered here on the air. Uh, just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, send us a message, and who knows, you might just have your question answered here on the show. <laughs> you motherfuckers. Y'all really had me going for a minute. I was about to be like, no way, you son of a bitches aren't going to sit there and talk about your fucking Walking Dead show for fucking five minutes or ten minutes or however the fuck long it was going to be. That shit was absolutely hilarious. Y'all really had me going there for a minute. I was about to throw my phone out the fucking window and just start listening to fucking TMZ.com or whatever so I could get in on the damn Walking Dead shit. Damn, you guys are funny. Keep up the good work, guys. Later. Denver D1, by the way. <laughs> this is Denver D1 again. I just can't get over that shit. Y'all had me going. Guys, I'm thinking there's no way... You put that much work into a damn intro and shit just to fuck with me a little bit. But you guys had me rolling over when she finally gave it up. I was going to tell y'all last week, sorry I didn't call in. I wasn't feeling real good last week. But y'all sounded like a couple of bitches over standing in line at the damn <laughs> Twilight Midnight premiere waiting for your fucking tickets. The eyeliner running down your face because Edward looked at you that way. Let's not get into Twilight or Vamps or fucking Walking Dead or Talking Dead. That was the funniest part. It's a Jeep podcast, fellas. Later. <laughs> Uh, some of you are probably wondering where that drop came from. Well, there you go. And uh, <laughs> now it's a little bit of backstory there. It's uh, at one point in time, Tony and I were very large fans of The Walking Dead show. 
Uh, we ended up going down a little bit of a rabbit trail on uh, on one episode uh, and, on and ended show. up talking yeah. for like 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes about completely not Jeep-related stuff, you know, just a TV show. And we got taken to task by a listener. He called in and was just like, you guys, <laughs> you need to keep it Jeep. And uh, well, we decided to screw with him a little bit. And so uh, I produced a... I produced a uh, an intro for a segment, and it and it was uh, something about you know Walking Dead and how we're going to do this you know every time now adding or something the like that. Adding a segment to the show, yeah, yeah, adding a new segment to the show, and and just to piss off Denver D one and one listener, the show. <laughs> one listener, yeah. So you know, if you, if you get on our radar, there's a chance we might screw with you. So <laughs> that was good times. That was that was a number of years back. Yeah, it was. Do you think he still listens? Of course he oh, does. I hope so. <laughs> uh, we haven't heard from him. No, we haven't. I guess because I guess we're doing good, huh? I guess. Yeah, let's we go with that. The let's Walking Dead. So. <laughs> well, I haven't seen The Walking Dead. Maybe you guys could catch me up. <laughs> I haven't seen it in like two seasons. Yeah. Longer for me. Hey, want a chance to win $5,000 in parts for your Wrangler? Who wouldn't, right? 5K goes a long way. Our sponsor, Extreme Terrain, has teamed up with Raxium to give away $5,000 site-wide on ExtremeTerrain.com. For those of you not in the know, Raxium is an industry leader in automotive lighting, combining advanced lighting technology with unbeatable pricing and top-notch quality. Raxium offers everything from light bars to switches to navigation units and more. Now, this isn't to say you have to spend the entire lump sum on lighting. No siree, Bob. The lucky 5K winner will have their choice of any product on Extreme Terrain from any category. Accessories and armor to winches and wheels. Everything's up for grabs. Visit the Raxium brand page today on Extreme Terrain site and enter every day from now until March 31st for the most chances to win it big. So I haven't mentioned this in a while. I just want to say uh, Extreme Terrain is advertising on the Jeep Talk show month after month after month and they keep coming back and uh, keep uh, uh, advertising with us and I want you guys to go over there and visit their site and look at all the great wonderful stuff check out their videos uh, I like their videos yeah. I love their videos yeah honestly I, I, I'm a little jealous of Ryan Huck he's kind of <laughs> got the, the position that I probably should have no no offense extreme trainer Ryan uh, but uh, no, he's doing a great job over there and, and really puts it down for Extreme Terrain, uh, really disseminating some great knowledge over there. And, and they did, their video team is really on point. So oh, yeah, yeah if, if, if nothing else, go over to ExtremeTerrain.com to check out their videos. Yep, yep. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, boys and girls, it's that time again. It's time for a, a, a great guest interview. And uh, tonight we're going to have uh, Brad uh, from Trail Recon. Brad is the creator of the YouTube channel Trail Recon, which he and his son started a little over three years ago. His videos bring viewers along for the ride and some for some amazing off-road adventures. And he shares projects he's working on in the garage uh, on one of his four Jeeps. Trail Rock Recon has 151,483 subscribers. Oh. Damn you, Brad, at the time <laughs> of this recording. And I'm serious, guys. I looked at this yesterday. I think it was yesterday. It was 149. Maybe it was the day before. That's a lot of subscribers, Brad. It is. So Brad is a retired Navy corpsman, and uh, his uh, while his Jeep is silver, <laughs> he does have one yellow and two red. Oh, where's the, where's the bell? 
Haha, <laughs> 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 too late. You can't put it in now. <laughs> Two red Jeeps in the family. Oh, come on, play, damn it. Thank you. <laughs> Brad, thanks uh, Thanks for the show. Our cheesy little podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I, I have been listening to the Jeep Talk Show for years on my long commute home, so I'm honored to be talking with you guys today. Oh, my goodness. See, well, we're glad to have you. This is you. what $5 can get you, Tammy. Just remember, yeah. <laughs> $5 does go a long way in this this economy. Thank you. Very, very kind words, Brad. So now I got to ask you, got to ask you about the YouTube channel. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Uh, how in the world did you get it? Just over three years. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there with hit contracts on you that are trying to get YouTube channels and can't because you're sucking them all up. Honestly, I, I, I first of all, I'm honored that uh, that I have as many followers as I do. But you know, I'm, I'm 46 years old. I never, in my wildest dreams, thought that I would be making YouTube videos. This was not the plan. And my son and I started this. You know, we were just filming our off-road adventures when we were out there, and just kind of keeping it like a video journal. And people started watching it, and we were like, well, you know, let's try to make a little bit better video next time. And so that just kind of evolved. But we weren't really trying to grow a YouTube channel or whatever. And I think people just enjoy going along for the ride, seeing where we're going, seeing all the projects that we're doing on the Jeep. And so now that it's kind of grown, I feel obligated to kind of, you know, really try to give good quality and good value of videos to the to the followers. So I honestly never would have imagined. I mean, I remember when we got to a thousand subscribers and I was blown away that I had a thousand subscribers. I yeah. never would have thought we'd be here. So yeah. When did you start your channel? It was just recently, like a couple of years ago, right? Well, three years uh, ago it, in the intro. Yeah, it's been oh. a little over three years now. So did all of a sudden it, because I hear it's like a gradual and the more subscribers you get, it like keeps growing exponentially from that. Like you could start with a hundred and then every week you get like 50 more and then it just builds upon itself. Is that how you found it? Yours grew? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I mean, I don't remember how long it took, but it was probably like six months just to get to a thousand subscribers. And then as you get more followers, then the the analytics of YouTube, you know, promotes your video a little more and you get more followers and it just kind of starts to snowball a little bit. But you've really got to keep at it. I mean, if you're not putting out good content and you're not engaging with folks, the they'll quit promoting your videos out there and people will quit watching it and then you quit getting followers. Right. Just to put it in perspective, I started mine when I started my blog, which is back in 2013, but I didn't, I was just throwing up my off-road videos, which were kind of boring because I was on just, you know, gravel road trails, so to speak. But I think you're right that it's your content that starts to make you take off. Yeah, there's been, there's been a couple of videos that we did that were... It really kind of gave us a nice little jump, you know, and uh, so every once in a while you get a video that just, it, for whatever reason, it's a hit. And usually it's not the video that you work the hardest on. It's just some random exactly. video. Of that course. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, the, actually the video on my channel that has the most views was one that I just kind of did on a whim. It wasn't even something I was like worked really hard on or, you know, there's videos that I've spent, you know, a couple of days filming and 20 hours editing. I think that one, I it took me a, an hour to film and maybe an hour to edit and it's got the most views on my entire channel. Right. So you never know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and I, that really is the secret is the, the content. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, I mean, pretty is nice, but if the content is there, 
that's what people want. I mean, that's the primary thing. But if you can make it pretty too, then that makes you stand out a little bit more than anybody else. At least that's what we try to do here on the on the, the show with our audio. You don't have to have great audio to have a podcast, but we try to have that as well. So uh, I can kind of uh, uh, feel where you're coming from. Now, we don't have any kind of subscriber base like what you do on your YouTube channel. And frankly, I'm just very shocked, especially with the recent changes. What was it, a year ago when uh, YouTube changed how they were doing things? and uh, really started to weed people out. Um, uh, I, I guess this isn't something that you went into to be looking at making a profit from. It was just something that you were interested in uh, in using and presenting things up uh, so people could see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we were just making video journals of the trails we were on, and, and I didn't even know you could make money from YouTube uh, uh, in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, um, you know, as you go along and you start really kind of cranking out videos, you know, you, you start to make some ad revenue, but it's actually nice to have that because, you know, it gets expensive to buy the camera gear and the Absolutely. time you spend on editing everything. And then, you know, paying for gas for all these trips that we're doing. Um, so you, eventually you can start to make a little bit of re ad revenue. I still work a, a full-time job though on the side. So, Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. To get the good content, you really have to invest a lot of, uh, really a lot of money. Like you said, gas, and I'm sure there's there's been things that you've uh, broken and maybe even some things that you uh, uh, maybe maybe only internally uh, justified. I got to buy this because of the video, <laughs> but I'm sure there there's expenses along with this. Uh, are, are you at the break even? Or are you above break even now? Uh, no, I'm at a, at a definitely above break even. Um, I actually my sons help out a little bit, and so they get a little bit of allowance for you know helping out with the channel, which is nice because you know they've they've done a lot of work along the way. Mm -hmm. That's great. It's almost like having a family business, which I don't know about you, but that I've always thought that would be a really cool thing to have. Yeah, it's so awesome, you know, to be able to, you know, they all they all have their own Jeep. And so, you know, being able to go out on the trail and do some filming and hang out in the garage. I mean, one, it's just quality time that I get to spend with my kids, which is pretty cool. But plus, you know, we're actually doing something that's kind of helping grow a business that we can all take a part of. Mm hmm. And I see you are out on the West Coast because you have Rubicon Trail videos Arizona videos, Moab videos. I mean, you've been all over. I, I've been all over the West. I really want to get out East. You know, you guys have some good trails out there, you know, the Roush Creek and all that. I'd love to go do a trip out there, but you're, you're right. Being here in Southern California, I mean, there's a lot of great places, just a few hour drive from right where I'm at. So I believe I saw that you have uh, uh, some merchandise that you uh, sell with the trail recon uh, badge on it. Uh, have you found that that's, that, that was, well, I guess, what was the motivation on, on that? Did you get a lot of people asking for that or did you uh, just give it a try to see how it would, uh, uh, flesh out with people? No, I get a lot of requests for stickers and shirts and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, it, it was just one of those things that I wanted to have for folks. And honestly, the stickers, I carry them in my Jeep and I just hand them out, but the, the shirts, it's through a company called Spreadshirt. And what's really nice about that is I don't have to keep any inventory. I don't have to do, you know, any shipping or any of that kind of stuff. People can just go there and if they want to buy it, they can choose their color or whatever. And so it makes life really easy for me. There's, you know, very low uh, involvement. But that way, if somebody wants to, you know, trail recon shirt, they can go get it, which is cool. Have you have you been out anywhere, uh, maybe filming or maybe just having fun off-road, and you see somebody in a trail recon uh, shirt or has a, a sticker that you weren't, you know, didn't know they were going to be there? Uh, I haven't seen anybody with a sticker, but I did have a, a father and son on the freeway 
flag me down and they, and they had they had trail recon shirts on so we pulled over and talked for a while it was pretty cool <laughs> that's awesome isn't it an amazing feeling yeah. you're just out there and minding your own business and then somebody wants to you know talk to you I, that to me is just it boggles my mind it hasn't happened to me personally but it's happened to tammy several times yeah i'm out at roush creek and all of a sudden you're driving along and you hear gee mama and you're like what <laughs> who is it yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I was at I was at Harbor Freight Tools picking up some stuff for a project I'm working on right now, and some guy comes up behind me. He goes, "Dude, I love your videos," and he kept walking by. I'm like, "No, no, come over here. Let me talk, man." It's <laughs> just pretty cool. It's strange. Yeah, it's really weird, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's nice to be a part of something that uh, that people enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I am so honored when people come up and I get the opportunity to shake their hand and thank them for supporting the channel. It means a lot. So uh, tell us about your Jeep. We did mention in the intro that it's silver, but uh, give us give us give us the specs on that. I'm just so excited about talking about Jeeps. Uh, so I've got a 2015 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon Unlimited. Um, it's got a three and a half inch lift, 37 inch tires. Um, it's got boy, it's got you know we, it's got everything: bumpers, lights, uh, bead locks. Um, we're, uh, it's got a roof rack and I usually have a rooftop tent up there. And right now I'm working on a rear, uh, fridge and drawer storage system. I'm actually, I got sawdust all over me cause I was in the garage cutting wood uh, right before this interview, but, uh, that's what I'm working on now. But, uh, yeah, the Jeep is, uh, I mean, axles, gears, I don't know. It's a whole lot that we haven't touched. It's ready to go. Oh, okay. I was just going to say what axles did you put on it? But, uh, uh, I guess with a Rubicon, you don't have to do too much uh, with the axles, not unless you're going to go crazy. No, we so, just did uh, just did some axle shafts and then re-geared it. Yeah, what, no, uh, what, that's right. I think that was on one of your videos. I'm sorry, Tammy. This is uh, this is critical. What uh, gear ratio know, did you I'm go sure. with? <laughs> <laughs> I went I went with four eight eights. There was a lot of debate about you know four eight eights or five thirteens, and and the four eight eights I found just work really well for me because that's that's also my daily driver. So oh yeah, that's really important. So you have the same Jeep that I do, and I have a three and a half inch lift, but I have 35s. How do the 37s work when you're like, do they rub? Is, you know, did you do anything different with your, I mean, do you have different fenders? Because I've been considering 37s, but I know I'd have to redo my gears and all that. But how does it handle when you're flexing? Uh, yeah, so I've got, uh, I've got some flat fenders on there and then I've got some extra bump stops just to make sure, uh, it, th those 37s tuck in there pretty good, but it's dialed in pretty well. I mean, I'll tell you going from a 35 to a 37 inch tire off road is it's so amazing. It's really nice. I mean, you, you can go a lot of places on 35s. I wheeled on 35s for like a year and a half, but the, the transition to 37s has really made a big difference. And how long have you been into Jeeps? Uh, so we bought this one uh, a little over what, almost four years now. So before that, you know, before that we did a lot of off-roading, but it was like motorcycles and quads. So I've only been doing the Jeep thing for about four years. What, uh, what got you into the transition from the motorcycles and quads, assuming you don't do that currently into the Jeep? Yeah, no, we don't have the, the dirt bikes and quads anymore. Now we just have four Jeeps in the driveway, but, uh, I don't know. There's something to be said about, uh, having air conditioning and being self-sustained and not having to trailer stuff around. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's given us an opportunity to go explore more places than we could have, you know, every, we go out to the desert and have a good time on the dirt bikes and, you know, the quads, but you're kind of limited where you can go. Whereas in the Jeep, man, we can just get up and we can go from state to state to state and just go explore all kinds of trails. So, so does the, the roof rack uh, keep you from, or make it more difficult for you to take the top off? 
so the roof rack that I have um, is actually it's the Rhino Rack Backbone system, and so it's drilled and attached to the hard top. So it adds a little bit of weight, but you can still take the top off just as you would normally. Oh, okay. So it uh, there's nothing to do to it except take the top off like you would. Um, so uh, that thing's pretty heavy. Uh, the, the JKU uh, tops are pretty heavy uh, already. What kind of, How much weight does it add to it? Uh, I don't know what the roof rack weighs. It's probably 50 pounds or so, but then you, when I throw the rooftop tent up there, that thing's 120 <laughs> pounds. So the, it's definitely top heavy and you notice it off road, but you know what? I haven't had any problems and we go out and have, you know, we hit the trail pretty hard. We have a good time out there. So I actually saw that video uh, recently where you used a, a very inexpensive, and it's been a while since I saw it. So I'm trying to remember, uh, but I did want to talk to you about this. You had a very inexpensive rooftop tent that you, you really liked in a lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I honestly, when I first bought it, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, really want the rooftop tent. You know, I didn't know how it was going to perform off road and does it really make a difference sleeping in it? And so I think I bought the cheapest rooftop tent I can find, which is the, it's the Smitty built Overland tent. Uh, but it's also the, one of the lighter ones out there, which is nice. But yeah, I mean, for, for what I paid for it compared to other tents, which are twice as much, it's held up really well. Uh, and there is something to be said about sleeping on a mattress when you are out camping. You know, I, I've spent plenty of time out with the Marines and stuff, sleep, sleeping on the ground in a shelter half. Uh, that when you're up off the ground and sleeping on a mattress in a rooftop tent, it is, it's a nice little luxury thing to have. Um, but th there are some, you know, it is a budget tent. So there's some things that, you know, like the ladder and a couple other things that I don't like. So I think what I'm going to probably do, um, in the future is is upgrade to maybe like a hard shell tent, you know, that it's like got a fiberglass mm -hmm. outside on it, yeah. which will be a little easier to set up and stuff. Yeah, that was, uh, it was really cool. Uh, I, I think the idea of the rooftop tent is really neat because that self-sustaining uh, thing you're talking about. Uh, and, uh, but I just can't see spending a thousand, fifteen hundred or more for a tent, you know, maybe I'm just cheap. But so whenever I saw that video, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. This is what you can, I mean, wasn't it like uh five, $700, something like that? Uh, yeah, I think it was like just under 800 bucks for the yeah. tent. You can find them on sale once in a while. Uh, but, but I'll tell you last year. I spent 26 nights camping. Wow. And so the, wow, those are, fun. which is my wife, my wife is very tolerant, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what, when, when you spend that much time actually using it, I think it's worth the investment, uh, to get, to get it because, you know, it's nice to have a good night's rest and, you know, get up in the morning and feel refreshed. So do you ever have any problems with, uh, the animals, whether they're, uh, the four legged or two legged kind, whenever you're uh, sleeping in the tent? Uh, no, no, because you're up off the ground. So we don't have any issues, uh, at all. When we were in, uh, when we were in Colorado, there was a, there was a bear in somebody else's uh, campsite. And so actually I was very thankful to be up off the ground, uh, that night. Oh, that would have freaked me out. Yeah. That's what I'm always concerned. Left. I mean, we have some black bears here in, uh, in Texas, but they're, they're generally small and I've never even seen one. Yeah. We got, we got plenty of critters, you know, snakes and tarantulas and stuff. So I, I, like I said, I slept on the ground for a, many, many years and uh, even sleeping in the back of the Jeep. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, having the rooftop tent is just for as often as, as I'm using it, it's nice to have. So I have a question for you. Who is your favorite YouTuber? You can't pick yourself. Oh, wow. <laughs> Pressure's That's... on. No, I'm kidding. You no, don't have to answer this. <laughs> I, but I watch a lot of YouTube. I watch a lot. And, I, and honestly, um, I watch a lot of... I watch a lot of the off-roading stuff, um, 
but I also watch a lot of the non-off-roading stuff and, and really it's just to kind of get some creative ideas about what other people are doing outside of the off-road community to kind of help with the videos. But I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I like a lot right. of them. Out there. there you go. That's the way to do it. Don't <laughs> well, commit to anyone. My son, who's 13, is a huge um, YouTube watcher. Just, you know, not Jeeps, of course, but he's always given me ideas. And he says, what's trending right now, and you and your, your son should do this, is you all put water in your mouth and you sit across from each other <laughs> and you try to get the other person to laugh, which means they would spit water out on you. And I'm thinking, Ben, I don't think that would go over <sighs> too well. And the GP goes, Mom, but it's what's trending in YouTubers right now. So <laughs> maybe you could do that with uh, some axle oil, uh, yeah. Tammy. That would be uh, that would be good. You could get uh, Chris in on that. But I'm. Either- <laughs> My kids are constantly giving me advice, and I'm like, we're in a different realm. We're not that gamer, you know, young millennial videos, but maybe that's the answer to get lots of subscribers, huh? No, the, the, you know, the YouTube audience that for the, the off-road community, is it's a different genre than that. Yep. You know, you can, you can look at your analytics and see that, you know, it's mostly males and it's mostly, you know, uh, you know, they're 20 to 45-year-old, you know, guys that are watching these kind of videos. So, if I think if you did something like that, they'd be like, whatever. <laughs> It'd be fun, know. though. <laughs> oh, right. and this is, uh, this this leads in very well with analytics, uh, the uh, analytics comments you just made. Now, with 151,000 subscribers, you've got to have some female groupies that are just just bothering you all the time, talking about Jeeps and wanting your, all the, the clothing that you sell. Yeah, I'm not that cool. <laughs> 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 not, not even close to being that cool. Uh, I, I, I mean, honestly, uh, there's a lot of great fans out there and I, and I just, you know, I get a lot of, you know, emails and messages and I really appreciate it. I don't, I haven't had any stalkers yet, so that's a good thing. <laughs> not, not, well, if you, if they're really good, you just don't know about them. <laughs> well, maybe, right. <laughs> so what do you got coming up? Uh, what's, what's the next big trail recon video on your YouTube channel? Uh, well, I don't know what the next big video is. Like I said, I'm working on this this storage system in the garage, and and I've got a laundry list of videos that I want to produce. It's just a matter of having time to do it. But we've got some really cool trips planned for 2019, which I'm excited about. We're going to be going. Uh, we're going to be doing a trip down to Mexico. We're going to be going uh, back to Colorado, back to Moab. Uh, we're going to try to go up to Oregon this year because there's some cool trails up in Tillamook. I really, really want to go check out. Um, so we've got. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm probably going to break the the 26 uh, nights of camping this year because we got a lot of stuff planned, but I, I'm excited about this year. And, and the silly question, but obviously you're enjoying this. You're enjoying doing the 26 nights of camping out. Uh, this is something that the comfort of home means nothing to you. Well, I mean, you know, you're in the military for 26 years. And so being away from home once in a while doesn't bother me. And my wife's pretty used to it. So she's really accommodating to like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're going to go spend a couple of days away from home camp and go for it, you know, whatever. So it's not a big deal. And the cool thing is, is that, um, you know, it's not just the tent, but, you know, I go with a good buddy. His name's Marco from Overland X. And that guy can cook when we are out camping. He makes... <laughs> He makes, I, I eat better uh, when I am out on the trail with him. Don't tell my wife this. I was going to say, you're going to get in big trouble. <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble. She's a great cook, uh, but he, oh, man, it's when we are on the trail, we're not eating freeze-dried food. So, <laughs> yeah, I, but don't, you know, when I don't you're know what out, it is about outdoor cooking. It's just, especially yeah. breakfast. Man, when it's When you're out wonderful. in nature and you're cooking, 
the food is just 20 times better. Yeah, absolutely. The smell of bacon when mm. you're camping, it's like exaggerated. I don't know what it is. I yes, love it. yes. Do you, do you guys get to have campfires? Uh, it depends where we're at. There's certain restrictions where you, ha- um, well, obviously certain places you can't have them. Certain places you have to have it in a, in a metal container. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just, we have, we bring one with us. Yeah. That's the, that's the one thing I always liked about camping was having that, that fire, especially at night, you know, before going to sleep and, uh, that just the smells, of course there's the negative side you never remember, which is you always have to move around because the, the smoke follows you no matter where you go, the smoke's going to be blowing in your face. <laughs> exactly yeah some so it's always chasing somebody it seems like uh so uh you know how the kids love the uh, social media now we've already talked about the trail recon uh youtube uh where else can people find you uh we have a facebook page and a facebook group but the best way to get a hold of me is on instagram you can message me on instagram and uh, and i try to answer all those questions excellent all right and there boys trail, and girls trail recon r-e-c-o-n yeah it's correct? like one word right Yes, one word. Excellent, man. Well, that's just uh, so sounds like so much fun. Uh, congratulations for all the success on your YouTube channel, and uh, we'll uh, we'll remember to mention you when you hit a million subscribers. We're gonna say <laughs> we had Brad on back when he was already only at one hundred and fifty one k. So, <laughs> man, I, I can only dream. But thank you so much for having me on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. It was great meeting you. Great meeting you guys. Well, big thanks again to Brad for taking the time to talk about Trail Recon and uh, the YouTube channel, all the stuff they're doing over there. Really, I'm quite jealous of what he has going (laughs) on there. If I had the time, oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Got to check them out and be sure that you subscribe to their channel as well. A ton of great stuff coming out all the time from Trail Recon. Hey, coming up next week, Keith Ellis from Lone Star Jeep Invasion, and that's coming up on March 23rd in Conroe, Texas. Hang on, let me say this properly. Conroe, Texas. Salute. (laughs) Salute. Hey, guys, we'll try this again. My son got a little nervous on the last recording, so uh, we'll give this one another shot. Hi, Deep Type Show. Hi, Deep Type Show. This is what I said. Keep it, <laughs> 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 Nikki, good luck uh, deciphering that. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. If you're being held captive, blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, hi, Jeep Talk Show. Oh, yeah. He said, Nikki G is the best. He, he, right? he, he gets ready just like I do. I get the very first part of it down. And then I, the rest of it, I just kind of, I didn't practice that enough. Well, I like, I like the, the pause in the middle, like, what's my line? You know, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Help me out, Should have looked at dad and said, line, damn it. Where the hell are you with the script? <laughs> and I said only yellow how old, M&Ms. How old is he again? The kid is. Like, I want to like say three. Five. I want to yeah. say three. three. Yeah. He's really young. Ah, that's Awesome. Awesome. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, you guys know that I am a big tool nut. I mean, I, I for probably close to a decade and a half, tools were my livelihood. It's how I made my living. Uh, so, you know, when I talk about tools, it's generally something that I'm talking about with some passion. And... 
I was talking a little bit before the show with, with Tammy. In fact, we're talking about um, you know tool storage and, and stuff like that. And Tammy's a big proponent for organi- organization in, in our Jeeps. <laughs> and, and combining Definitely. these two worlds, tools and organization, we have this week's must-have uh, pick of the week for your Jeep. And this is, this is the Atlas 46 Yorktown Tool Roll. Yes, it comes with a premium mm. price tag of about $179 or more, depending on where you go. Uh, we've got the uh, we've got the deal on Amazon. We'll have a link for you as well. This looks um, like good thick stuff, though. I mean, this is really this is nice. like military grade stuff right here. So, um, if you want to know what got the guys in the motor pool uh, in the in the uh, in, in the army are using to to tote around their tools and stuff, yeah, it's stuff just like this. The siege of Yorktown was a combination of American and French forces, resulting in a victory that began peace negotiations, eventually leading to the independence of America. The culmination of two great forces into a final amazing product, well, that's kind of like what we're doing here. This was their inspiration for creating the Yorktown, taking two of the loved, most loved products and championing them into the ultimate tool roll pouch, delivering more carrying options and organization. Four generously sized pockets, over 480 cubic inches total, store a variety of tools while the back is designed to organize and quickly find wrenches and tool sets. Atlas 46's quick roll system allows the pouch to easily roll up and be condensed for better mo- mobility. Has four very large front pockets, uh, over 480 total cubic freedoms there. Uh, condensed quick roll for throw uh, throw and stow. Two carrying handles secured by precision tack as well. So if you want to hang the thing, uh, Patriot made 100D Cordura and is USA made zippers is what holds this thing together. 11 wrench slot organizers, seven multi-purpose tool slots, and is handcrafted and made entirely in the USA. Uh, the pictures of this don't do it any justice. These things look amazing. They're very well built, and it is an all-USA company. Atlas 46 has got some amazing products. You go check them out on their website. Um, but we're going to have a link to an Amazon store where you can pick up one of these for less than what you can buy it at their website. So if you're interested in some great organization for your tools for your for your rig, well, check out the Atlas 46 Yorktown Tool Roll, $180 and free shipping on Amazon.com. Oh, you can carry some jelly in there too. It could be a jelly roll. I just Every mm. time you said roll, I was thinking jelly roll. <laughs> Tammy, what do you think about uh, about this Atlas 46 Yorktown toolkit? I was actually looking at it online. I was purchasing it as you I were know. speaking. It's <laughs> like, hold on, I haven't entered the 16th number I yet. Know, just, no, I, I love it. I love how each little tool has its own little spot, and um, I want to buy it. Yeah. Maybe I can yeah. get it for Valentine's Day. I was telling Tammy before the show that the tool bag that that I've got that I toss into my Jeep is probably about as old as I am, and it's got a couple of holes in it. It's falling apart, and and I just chuck a I chuck chuck way too much stuff in there than that bag probably should, and that's probably the reason why it hasn't lasted very long. Um, but uh, no, the bag that I've got is in desperate need of replacement, and and I'm all about maximizing storage. This would definitely do that. I'm 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 all about this uh, Atlas 46 gear. So I'm gonna go check out their website, see what else they have to offer. I kind of peeked a little bit at it before the show. Didn't have a whole lot of time, but from what I saw, I was very impressed. So speaking from a tool guy, if I'm impressed, then likely you will be too. Hey, now that you must have one of these awesome Atlas 46 Yorktown tool bags for your very own, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 372, and you can pick it up for yourself. 
Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. So I was thinking about something the other day. Um, hey, stoke the uh, stoke the fire there on that uh, Route One Six fire pit, Tammy. It's it's going down a little bit. Okay, um, I got it. <laughs> I was thinking about something the other day, and uh, I probably have mentioned this before. What do you guys think about dropping the wheeling wear segment? I mean, you know, we've we've gone over all the years of the show. We've gone through some format changes. We've had some um, uh, segments that have that have come up, some that have gone away, um, some that we may resurrect uh, in the future, and some that may never ever come back to the show. Um, wheeling wear is one of those um, is one of those segments that we've never really gotten a whole lot of feedback from. Right. We've got the the um, wheeling wear form on the website that you guys can fill out and send us information about your shows you have coming up. Really kind of a lackluster response on that. Not a whole lot of information coming in. Now, yeah, we are kind of smack dab in the middle of the winter season, you know, as it were. And there's not a lot of shows, not a lot of outdoor activities going on right now. And that's kind of to be expected. In years past, we've actually dropped wheeling wear for the months of December and January just because of the lack of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last year or two, we've actually seen this uh, an, an increase in, in off-road related shows happening through the off-season. And we've been able to keep wheeling wear in the show. Um, whether we decide to keep that in the show or maybe change it up or get rid of it all together, well, that might be up to you, our listener, to decide. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, actually, you know how we're doing the voicemails now? We used to have a voicemail segment and play the intro, and then we play all the voicemails and react to them. Now we just kind of have, right. have them sprinkled in around, kind of mixing things up. I was thinking maybe, as you were talking about that, Josh, I was thinking maybe we could do the same thing with the Weedling Wear. That way we don't have an actual segment that we have to worry about uh, people uh, reporting stuff or us looking it up, and just we could just uh, throw it in here and there whenever we get them. I mean, I don't no, mind. I think it's good to announce this stuff uh, for, for folks because uh, I don't know where they get this information, especially if they're not local. I mean, they could be traveling to an area that's having an event and they go, oh, we're going to be there. Let's let's go. You know, that'd be fun to do. And they wouldn't know about it other, elsewise, otherwise. Well, we, I mean, we always have new Jeepers that are that are joining the show that are, are, are new to the Jeep world and, and maybe aren't familiar with the Jeep community and mm-hmm. what the Jeep lifestyle right. really is and, and aren't familiar with, you know, events that are happening. They didn't know that, you know, there's this big Jeep beach event that happens where, you know, just Jeep, tens of thousands of Jeepers just take over a, a beach awesome, and, you know, uh, things like the Easter Jeep Safari and, and stuff like that big world-class nationally if not world-renowned events that are jeep only and and without you know us disseminating that knowledge to them without you know talking about these shows and these events and stuff like that here on on our you know little thing that we do uh you know they may not ever know about it we've actually had people that have emailed or called into the show and said you know i'm glad that you guys do this segment uh even though that you're talking about events that you know aren't anywhere near me I like to hear about what's happening around the nation just to kind of, you know, have my finger on the pulse of the Jeep world. And just one more little bit of information that helps keep you a Jeeper. Well, I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you think? Uh, uh, drop the Wheeling Wear segment. I think we may uh, the, uh, we may lose a few people because it's like Wheeling Wear. What do I care? Uh, and then they just, uh, that's where they stop listening. So I think we did a poll uh, not too long ago, maybe, well, maybe six, eight months ago now. And uh, that was one of the things that uh, a lot of people didn't uh 
didn't care for so much was the Wheeling Wear segment. So yeah, not exactly the most popular segment. Certainly no Nikki G. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to keep it, let us know. Well, getting back to uh, my own Jeep, at least, uh, you know, uh, over this last several, well, it's about a week, uh, we actually got hit with some pretty good snow. Um, and it was really weird. It was kind of the tale of two cities uh, here in the Portland metro area. The east side got hit and it got hit hard. The west side, nothing. Not a single snowflake almost. Um, so it was really, really weird how, you know, uh, just the, the two sides of, of, the, of the metro area had co- two completely different weather patterns. And we're talking about, I got like six plus inches over here of snow uh, and a 20 minute drive got nothing. So, I mean, that's, that's the kind of crazy weather that we have up here in the Northwest. So, um, and that stuck around for, for several days. Uh, needless to say, um, you know, Friday night, it was becoming very clear very quickly that I needed to have the Jeep running that weekend. So uh, I still had a couple things pulled apart. I, I still had a couple things left to do. Uh, so I spent the majority of Friday night um, uh, buttoning up the steering, uh, getting the dash uh, buttoned back up and, and things hooked up. I had inadvertently installed my steering wheel 180 degrees off. Uh, so I had to drop the steering column once again and uh, put the steering wheel back to where <laughs> it was it's supposed to be. And, and that was fun. Uh, it's not, not exactly something I was expecting to doing to be doing. And I was kind of in a rush. Um, so it was kind of one of those last minute things like, oh, God, I now I got to do this. So, uh, but, uh, but got it up and, uh, spent the entire day Saturday, uh, pretty much just, uh, rolling around the, the area, just sort of patrolling, helping people out that needed to be pulled out of a ditch or helped up a hill, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't ever ask for money. I'm not out there doing uh, it for money. I was but just going to say, five how, much bucks. It, how much you did know, you I make? I made five bucks. It's, you know, <laughs> hey, it's, I'm not going to turn down. You want to, you know, do, you know, pay, pay somebody doing a good deed. Uh, you know, sure. I'll take a tip. Um, but, uh, man, I saw this one kid come out of a, come out of a, a shopping center, uh, pushed right through the corner, driving to like a newer Mustang and, and just hit the curb hard. Oh, and then I watched him sit there and spin the thing out and just push it into that curb farther and farther. I'm like, all right. So I did a lap, came around the block, got up behind the guy. and Slammed and, into him at 50 no. miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and he immediately got out and he's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm like, no, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to hook up. I'm going to pull you straight. Once you get straight, I'm going to get out, disconnect, and then you'll, you'll be good to go. But you're going to have to carry your momentum to, you know, get through this intersection. And so, I, and, and I got this image of you, uh, in Iron Man suit and having a car <laughs> thrown at you <laughs> and the, and the guy screaming as you, lady, lady, stop. <laughs> no, there, there was this one lady, she was driving, uh, like a, like a Dodge neon or something like that. And, and I watched her slide down this hill and, and had she gone any further, she would have been in a ditch and in a very, very bad place. Um, and so I, I pull up to her. And, and I'm like, you know, do you, do you need help? Do you want me to get, help you get you out of here? And she's like, no, I'm fine. You know, I actually live right across the street and there's this, you know, big condo complex and stuff right across the street there. And, and, Uh-oh. and I was like, are you, know, are you sure? You I know, read, I can, you know, get your I read car this out. In a, I read this in a penthouse for him. Keep going. No, 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 <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> not at all. But, uh, you know, she was just over the moon that somebody stopped to ask if she was okay. And she just kept thanking me profusely. No, I'm fine. Thank you so much for stopping and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm just like, happy to do it. Just, you know, out here, just uh, doing my thing. You know? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep getting them. The, uh, the one more, I promise. So what you do the next time, Josh, is you take a handful of Jeep talk show stickers and you say, I'll help you. 
but you got to put this on your vehicle. Oh. No, no. <laughs> now I got to see it on there and then we're going to take a picture for social media. Okay, now I can help you. <laughs> All right, now I can help you out. Now I can do my good deed. Oh, man. No, it was, there was, uh, I saw an accident happen. Uh, there's, there's a couple really bad uh, intersections uh, near where I live uh, that are on some pretty steep hills. And you've got, you know, coming down a hill and then t- taking a turn at an intersection onto another hill. And the guy just couldn't, couldn't stop. He couldn't slow down. He couldn't turn. And of course he's got his wheels cranked and his foot standing on the brake. Yeah. And he's just sliding right through this intersection. And, and he's kind of pointed like he's almost going to make the turn and just plows into the corner and the front corner of this other truck. And I'm just like, Oh God. So So I'm, I'm I'm going up the hill. I'm going up the hill. I'm watching all of this happen. And, and I get up towards the top and by that time the, the people are out of their vehicles and they're kind of exchanging information and taking pictures and stuff. And, and I'm just like, you know, uh, you might want to move. Oh yeah. There's traffic coming here. They need to get up this hill and they're not going to be happy about having to stop for you guys. And we've got traffic coming down the hill the other way. And uh, well, obviously there's already been one wreck. We probably don't want you guys getting hit as you're out here, you know, exchanging information. So let's clear this out of the way. One guy pulled off the way right immediately, and the other guy was obviously flustered and, and couldn't exactly figure out what he needed to do. And I'm like, pull your vehicle around the corner, get it out of the way. We've got traffic coming down, you know, all while I'm doing about a half of a mile an hour up this hill, you know, because I don't want to lose my momentum either, you know. So oh, it was, it was fun. Ask it was, that. It, it, what is the magic with uh, the Jeep that allows you to keep going or, or is it just knowing how to drive in, in the conditions? That is 99% of it, Tony, All is right. knowing how to drive in the snow. Um, really knowing your vehicle, knowing its characteristics, how it accelerates, where your, where your, your, your traction brake happens, where you start to lose traction and, and brake traction, start to spin right. your, your, your tires, where, you know, what, what the RPMs sound like, you know, what, what 1200 RPM sounds like versus what 1800 RPM sounds like, you know, stuff like that, knowing your vehicle and knowing your conditions and, and really knowing what you're doing when you're out there. It An makes experience. a massive difference. Yeah, the experience. Yeah. Exactly. This I mean, and actually for me, I mean, I grew up driving in the snow like that for years and, um, and then I was in the South living in the South and then coming back up here in the DC area and the snow comes and it just, it comes back to you. It's like, instinct you just know how to drive in the snow and the ice yeah i I don't like the ice um and and saturday night everything just froze deep and and everything that had melted or thawed in the least little bit uh turned into nothing but solid ice and and everything was just impossible to navigate um through sunday uh through most of sunday um, and so I didn't, I didn't even go out Sunday because I, I wasn't even trying to, um, you know, they, they, uh, I, I went out later Sunday night, uh, to make a, a last minute run to the grocery store. Oh, let me tell you the grocery store is on Friday <laughs> night. That was fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it, going out Sunday night was, was, uh, kind of sketchy to say the least. So yeah, it's uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of Oregon department of transportation vehicles out there, a lot of plows, a lot of trucks. Uh, a lot of sanding vehicles and stuff out there dumping gravel and and uh, still cleaning all that stuff up. Isn't it great to have a Jeep whenever uh, stuff goes south? Oh, it really is. I mean, and and despite you know the the 
the, the last minute, you know, flailing around trying to get uh, everything, you know, put back together. And, and I didn't get things put back together. I still don't have an interior in the Jeep. There's no center console. There's no glove box. I've got I've got half the panels of the dash off and in the back of the uh, of the vehicle. Um, things are definitely not 100% on my Jeep, but it was enough for me to get out, get driving and help some people out in my area that needed it during the winter. <laughs> I get to see the Smokey and Bandit cop. Uh, what is this on my highway? <laughs> <laughs> Some bitches. Some bitch. <laughs> well, I um, got some stuff in the mail. I'm excited. It's um, called Lux Lighting Systems, and it's uh, rock lights um for under my jeep and um and the fender wells and this the company lux lighting asked me to install it and do a little review so i'm a little nervous because it's i should have paid more attention to josh's wiring i guess i'm gonna have to (laughs) (laughs) re-listen to it all um so i'm excited to, to try them out and see how it works it's supposed to be super easy um just plug and play type thing um so we'll see i i'm not going to be able to do it until it warms up a little though because i can't stand being out in the garage in the cold because your fingers get so cold yeah i think the critical Um, thing is going to be getting it mounted properly where the light shines where you want it and it's come in contact with a wheel or a tire right so So, i made a mad dash out to the garage really quick and i I know i'm I'm holding a, a bag up I'm holding a bag up for the camera, and I know that only Tony can see this right now. That's all that's important. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the uh, a Lux brand set of four rock lights. Oh, this is their. Um, this is their. Uh, I think this is their their Max kit is what they call it. Now right. I um I had a uh, sorry I'm a little bit out of breath. I ran into the garage way too fast. Um. Uh, had a Jeep show here a couple few years back where uh, a rep from Lux was actually out at the show and uh, had a chance to talk with him a little bit. And, uh, and he's like, do you want to, would you like to have a you know, set of these? And if once you install them and, and, uh, and use them, or, you know, review them on the show, let us know what you thought about them. They're all yours. Here you go. And it was, it, it is their basic kit is just, it's four lights. I think, I don't even think it has a switch in it or I can't remember if it comes with a switch or not, but in any case, I haven't even opened the kit yet, um, but I've done some research on the company. I, I know some guys that are using similar kits. I, uh, one guy has got the eight head kit. It's twice the lighting as, as this thing is, and it is bright. So uh, yeah, Tammy, if you've got a set of these um, that, uh, that you're going to be installing soon, congratulations. You've got some really cool stuff. I'll, I'll just mention, since you can't see the video, uh, hers came in a box. Not in a plastic oh, bag. Oh, she so, got a better kit than I did. Yeah, sorry. Um, and, and they're from your area up there, the company. I think they're in the Oregon area, I believe. That's where. Um, and I just want to take a moment here to point out to you, to you, Tammy, that Josh didn't have these items ready yet. He was able to go not just to another room, but outside in his garage and get back before it was time for him to talk again. This would be a good lesson for you. Pretty fast. I'm, (laughs) I'm slow. Um, the other thing is I've, I so want to quit my job and go adrenaline off road. 
Well, you um, better really hope your boss isn't listening. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I <laughs> hey, I got some great um, news for you. <laughs> their um, their main mechanic guy, Mike, the Mike who um, does a lot of the work on my Jeep, he's no longer able to work there uh, for health for health reasons. And so Jeff is looking for a mechanic, and um, I'm like, oh, you know, I could come and work there. <laughs> and I said I, I could just be a helper, though. I, yeah, I was going to say I don't think I don't think you're the the level of mechanic he's quite looking for. But uh, no, no. Um, but he he is looking for somebody. And um, if you're out there listening, and again, here I go. If you're out there listening, duh, you're out there listening. <laughs> um, for those out there listening, um, anyway, he's looking to hire someone, and um. You have to have a lot of experience. I certainly don't have the experience. I he would love to hire me as a helper, but it's the the um, the price would not be work for me to be able to pay off my jeep. It so, would be, it'd be helper price, huh? It'd be helper it'd, priced. Yeah, helper price. So, so. I, I'm going to give away one of the one of the answer one of the questions that he's going to be asking for any mechanic. Um, so the 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 tubes that you put into a axle shaft. Do you just slide them in, or do you weld them in? <laughs> <laughs> what are those things called? They the, the beef ups the axle. What are they called? Axle, axle sleeves. sleeves. Axle sleeves. There we go. Yeah. Good job, Tammy. I know. I see. Um, you know, and he he pays pretty good, I think. For and he goes once the helpers that would be me can get a lift kit, tires, and wheels done in one day, he'll increase their pay quickly. So my God, maybe, the helper has to do that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, if you want to well, move all up. I gotta, all I got to say is, Jeff, if you want to open up an drilling off road out here in Oregon, give me a call. I know. Um, anyway, I would love to do that, but just if I maybe if I win the lottery, then I can go, go <laughs> work you, in a garage. What do you care about being a mechanic yeah. at that point? Oh, I know. <laughs> you start one, that would be all right. <laughs> so, anyway. So, I'm just hoping for nice warm weather so I can at least attempt to try to install these lights. Ah, it'll be fine. You'll have a lot of fun. Uh, people will be waving at you, and you'll be waving back, and then you'll fi- figure out you left the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to talk well, about you- something non-Jeep related. Uh, I <gasps> got, and, and Josh, you may you may know about these. Um, I got a uh, uh, HF antenna analyzer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this uh, in chat uh, last week or something like that. Oh, was it? Okay. So, uh, I got this little an- antenna analyzer. It's a it's 100% Chinese little piece of crap looking thing, but it has Bluetooth. So, you can actually graph your uh, SWR, your uh, reactive resistance, uh, all on your nice little uh, laptop screen or uh, Android or iPhone. And... Um, the sad thing is I got it got it all hooked up and ready to work and realized I don't really have an antenna I can hook it to because everything I have is needs to be worked on or I have to uh, break apart part of the Jeep to get to the uh, the actual uh, uh, antenna because it goes to a uh, antenna tuner uh, on my Jeep. But anyway, I got this thing working, played around with it a little bit, and it's just really, really cool. It was 100 bucks, and uh, I specifically got it because I want to try to work on the uh, HF antenna on my Jeep because I'm having a lot of uh, RF um, 
uh, getting into things inside the Jeep. And it, even oh. at one point, it was actually stopping the Jeep from running. The RF was so bad. So Yeah. So uh, that that was a aftermarket uh, uh, crank position sensor that I replaced with a uh, Mopar, and then that that problem went away. But anyway, I'm uh, I'm hoping that this might help me uh, get the antenna matched a little bit better because uh, this ain't CB, folks. Whenever you're dealing with a bunch of uh, with a, b- a bunch more power and a bunch more frequencies, weird things can happen. So, little tool I'm going to be using to see if I can't uh, get my HF mobile uh, going back to 100%. Talking HF uh, on a mobile, uh, going back and forth to work is a lot of fun. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm not HF uh, rated. I, I don't have the, the, the certification for that. But, uh, man, that's that would be really cool, especially because you're running like a 100-watt rig or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, it's, yeah, that's 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 going to be really cool. So is that like uh, on the Honeydew list for the weekend? Is that something that we might have a, a report on uh, next week? Well, you know, I mentioned the uh, the check engine light. So, unfortunately, uh, oh, I, uh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, drain it. Was the, it's uh, transmission-related. Um, and it seems to be electrical, but sometimes you get those messages just when the transmission itself has an issue. So, uh, what's your I, fluid look like? I don't know. I mean, looking mm. at this, looking at the stick, it's fine. It's, it's pink. It's nice. It's not burnt. Oh, okay. Um, so it, le- good. it, it legitimately good. may be an electrical issue, but right now I'm having uh, a, a relay, uh, a solenoid issue, not a relay, a solenoid issue. So I, uh, I went over to Amazon. I bought a uh, filter, a gasket and a solenoid kit. So I'm oh, going to drop the pan. And uh, I'm not hopeful for this, by the way. I, I, I feel that there's going to be a transmission rebuild in, in my near future. But I'm going to drop the pan. That'll allow, allow me to see if there's any uh, debris in the, uh, in the pan, uh, any metal uh, stuff in there. And, That'll uh, be a, a good telltale right there. Yeah. And uh, if nothing else, I'll, I'll just you know, be able to change the fluid. And then, uh, you know, of course, all the, uh, the solenoids are just right there, one bolt for each one of them. Uh, now, I do seem to remember that one of the uh, connectors was broken. Whenever they replaced it, they mentioned it to me. Oh. So I'm wondering if it's that solenoid. I need to take better notes because if it's oh, that solenoid, yeah. it may just be a method of where I need to make sure I get that wire firmly attached to the solenoid. And I may just wind up soldering it to it uh, to, to make sure this doesn't happen again. So I know I which one it is. Could, I wonder if you could uh, if you could find that connector end. You know, uh, if you know, uh, it's you know so like Morris four by four or something. I know they have a pretty good microfiche when it comes to uh, some weird parts and stuff like that. Uh, you'd be able to find just a little pigtail or something. Uh, be able to wire in and replace I the would, end if nothing else. And actually, if anybody out there listening uh, knows of some place, I need a few things because twenty year old Jeep things break. I could use yeah. a, a thermostat. Uh, housing uh electrical connector because mine's broken uh it, it stays on there just fine but uh you know the one that goes on the uh, the thermostat um temperature sensor uh yeah. i found that uh looking at the because i was having two errors one of the errors was the input speed sensor i told you about that in chat josh right right yeah. and i found out that that connector was broken oh uh, really and i didn't do it because i've never had that thing off so yeah. the the transmission shop probably broke that one so I could use one of those. Uh, I could use, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, the 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 one of the solenoid uh, connectors. And they're real, they're real simple connectors. It's only one wire that goes to the solenoid uh, on each of them. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna change out the solenoids, uh, change out the filter, refill it, and uh, see see if the codes go away. Uh, it 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 all. And you know what? I actually have a transmission uh, control module sitting here in my desk. 
from the last time I had transmission problems because I thought it might have been that. I've never unwrapped it. Yeah, I've never unwrapped it uh, because it turned out that it had to be rebuilt and uh, uh, the transmission had to be rebuilt. So I have that and I need to get into under the dash and and look at the wiring for the TCM too because it could be a bad wiring there. I don't think so. Everything I've looked at, the wiring has been perfectly fine. But then again, it doesn't take more than you know, one wire or two wires yeah. to have a little issue and cause all kinds of problems. Well, I wish you the best of luck. You've got uh, you've got a heck of a, of a troubleshooting session in front of you, uh, but I, I'm I'm anxious to hear what uh, what the results are. Yeah, it'll be all right, uh, one way or another. Even if I got to get it rebuilt. Oh, and our uh, our buddy Nate uh, is uh, facing a transmission rebuild on his uh, on his uh, LJ. Uh, God, there's some in the water. Yeah. Jeez. Well, actually, it probably has to do, uh, I told him, I said, did you consider it might have been from you being on the show and talking about transmission, automatic transmission versus standard? Oh. <laughs> and he said, I, oh. that crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Start talking about it. And, well, that's going to put it out in the universe and, and things come back. So I hate to hear that because he, he is looking at a transmission rebuild and those things are, are not inexpensive. I think mine was two grand uh, seven years ago. Oh, yeah. Man. I think be twenty five hundred now. <laughs> I hope. Seven years of inflation. Well, hey, you want to chime in on the campfire side chat? What we're talking about here? Maybe you want to join in on the campfire side chat? Well, we'd love to have you. It's true. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Hey, now some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. Let us know about your event. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling where form. And, uh, well, if you have an event that you're putting together, uh, know about or are organizing, by all means, let us know about it. We'll get it out to the masses. Coming up March 23rd, the first annual Lone Star Jeep Invasion. This is going to be a good one, folks. It's happening at the Lone Star Convention Center in Conroe, Texas. Uh, We also have coming up on April 13th through the 21st, Red Rock Four Wheelers presenting the big one, folks, Easter Jeep Safari. Uh, again, the 13th through the 21st of April in Moab, Utah. For more information on these events or any of the ones that we've talked about here on the show and links to all the information that you need, visit jeeptalkshow.com and uh, check out the show notes in this episode. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to help us dominate the world of social media by liking and friending us on Facebook and everywhere you find the Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. The Jeep Talk Show. The anytime wheeling, crawling, mudding, dusty head, overheating, fix that leak so you can Jeep better medicine. Podcasting since 2010.